Welcome everybody to the Minimap Cast. This is your weekly source of gaming news, questions, and impressions from minimap.com.au. My name is Kerry Palmer, and joining me is Jeremy Bratitit. Hello, I'm here. I have coffee. Ooh. It's a, it's a, it's quite an overcast day. If it, if it's not raining, I can't actually tell at the moment. Um, uh, it's, it's spitting. Yeah, it's slightly damp outside. It looks like. In the in the morning, I, I I in the morning before the podcast, I went to go get a coffee, um, and uh, I goes from the market around the corner, and as I came back, it began to rain, and I was like, "Oof, that is some good timing," because I did not want to be. It was, it's already very cold, and I didn't want to be stuck in the rain with my coffee and my food. You would have been warm though. I would have been warm, but only once I got inside. Would you? It, so here's a question: If it didn't make you cold. And and you had a spare change of clothes ready when you got home to just like jump into. How long would you spend outside in the rain? Uh, as in, like, would I have spent ten minutes to get my coffee in the rain? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not. That, it's not that far a walk. Is the thing, and most of it's undercover. So, like, it's not. Mm. Not. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Mm. Um, I love a good I love a good walk in the rain. I I I me too, but not this kind of rain because it's it it was quite windy and it was quite biting. Oh yeah, it was, it was a bracing cold outside, yes. was it? Yes, it was quite brisk. Brisk. That's always a weird word. Like, is it? Because don't you say like brusque is brisk as well? Like when someone is rough. I do not know. The word that's spelled like U-S-Q-U-E, isn't that like, shouldn't you say like brisk? Sure don't know. <laughs> I'd really like an answer from you. Uh, I can't give you one. I'm very sorry. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, well, speaking of brisk, let's just get into the show. Uh, this is the Minimap cast. This is, we're going to talk about video games as we do every week. You can find this episode on minimap.com.au along with every other episode we've ever done. And our other podcasts, like uh, The Pecking Order, which is our pop culture kissability ranking podcast, uh, and our mini-disc game club special episodes, they're all up there on the website. Uh, You can also find us on any podcast service of your choice and YouTube. Uh, If you want to support the show, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash minimapau if you want to support us monetarily. That option is there for you. Uh, We're also on socials. We're on Twitter. We're on TikTok, Twitch. Instagram, all under minimapau, so you can go to any of those, find us there, um, and you could also leave us a positive rating on your uh, podcasting platform of choice uh, if you have the time and the inclination to do so, that would help us out a lot. Uh, We also wanted to say thank you to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D Improv as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. Well, I... I don't remember the last time I got into the episode this quickly. So I feel <laughs> off. <laughs> we can talk about some nonsense if you'd like. Uh, I, you know, maybe. I had a topic that I was going to bring up last week, but then we immediately derailed ourselves with a discussion about um, Star Wars because you and I said, how rude. And, um, <laughs> and then that was the intro. Right. <laughs> and now I feel like we're four minutes in. It, it's, it's not time for my, it's not time for my little icebreaker, but one day... One day we'll have nothing to say and I'll come in with my little topic. I don't know if that day will ever actually happen, but we'll see how we go. We'll see. We'll see. 
Jeremy, kick us off. What have you been playing this week? I've been playing a game called Citizen Good. Sleeper. Um, now, Citizen Sleeper is a game that I actually mentioned a little bit ago as one of the games that I wanted to play this year. Uh, and I did it. So I'm going to talk about it. Uh, so Citizen Sleeper nice. is a... Uh, it is a story RPG um, where you are a... Uh, a robot named a, named Sleeper, well, like 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 that is named a Sleeper, mm-hmm. uh, and you wake up on a space station, um, and you sort of, it, it's one of those like a like a like it's like a Fallout New Vegas sort of thing where you sort of wake up and you don't really quite remember anything, and you were like woken up by someone who found you and like hey like I, like I I, I got you working and stuff again like do you want to like you know can I get you to come work work for me for a little bit sort of thing. Um, and the, the, the game itself, the actual, um, gameplay loop is just, um, the space, the, the space station, um, which is a, a big, a big ring, um, uh, called, I think it's called the eye or something. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but the, this space station, um, has got little dots around it, which are locations. Um, and these locations uh, might be someone who's got some work for you, might be someone who's got some uh, food for you because you need to have food to work, uh, to like live basically. Um, a house might be uh, an, an NPC to talk to, uh, might be a shop, that sort of thing. Uh, and you do tasks. So it's a um, game where you need to, uh, you've only got a limited amount of actions per day and then you go to sleep. Um depending on how much health you have, um, which is determined by a thing called, uh, oh, I've forgotten all the names. I was playing it last night, like until 3 a.m. When I, when I finished it. Um, and I've just forgotten a lot of like the, like the actual nouns that are used in the game. Your health That's... Um, determines how many dice you have. Right. Um, and For every check or just like damage checks? So, 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 so the dice is used in every task. Um, it, they're not quite dice cause you don't like, you do roll it, but it's more about like, like, like I've got a bunch of different dice and they are determined. Like I've got a six, I've got a two, I've got a four, I've got a six and I've got a five. Um, that will then determine it'll roll against basically another dice. And if mine is higher then I pass the check. And if mine is lower then I fail the check. A six is an instant pass. A one is not an instant fail, but it's really hard to pass. Um, so everything is a check. So it's like, you know, you have to, uh, you know, do some work to make some money called chits. Um, so like, you know, do some work, roll the dice. If you get like a really big win, then you get even more money out of it. But there's also a lot of like story and character and, and stuff in it. So there's like a, a lot of characters that are, um, they will talk to you. Like, they, for example, there's there's one where there's a, there's a woman who has a, 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 like a, a ship that is attached to the big space station and you can help her repair her ship so she can leave. Um, and so you have to do tasks for her that are, it might be, you know, like just do some work on the ship and then you might have to find out that you need to uh, build a part for her. So you have to go somewhere else, uh, find the scraps for that part, then go to somewhere else put it together and then take it back to her, that sort of thing. Um, 
the gameplay is very simple. It is the, the same, almost the exact same way all the way through. Um, they do add an additional mechanic, which is like basically looking like being like a ghost in the, in the machine sort of thing where y- you will see like digital versions of, of people around as well. So sorry, is it like a top down, like old school fallout tactical RPG kind of style? So, so, so even, even less than that in terms of actual um, uh, direct uh, being in the world, like in this world, it is just like you see the spaceship and dots are placed around the space station. Um, there's no movement. There's no oh. walking. It is just like it's just looking at a map, basically. Right. So yep. it's it's quite abstract. Yes. Um, when you engage in conversations with people, you see a, like a full character portrait that is um, like two D illustrated, um, and they will they will talk to you at not unlike um, Disco Elysium with like the text panel on the right hand side. Um. I will be making many uh, comparisons to D- Disco Elysium. Just by the way, um, there's there's a, there's a lot to a lot to draw from. Um, but yeah, and then there's these, th- then there's a there's a secondary type of check you can do, which is uh, in this Ghost in the Machine sort of thing. Instead of having to get a higher result than the one you're going against, it is like a specific one. So it is like oh, like this one to pass, you you need a you need a dice that has got one on it, or need a dice that's got four on it. If you level up, it will give you additional options at at once. Um, the the gameplay loop itself is quite basic in that regard, um, and there are some like, and then you've got a, a list of quests on the left hand side as well. So they call drives. If you complete a drive, you get a skill point. You can put that into your character, which can give you uh, base buffs for each of the different types of checks. I think there's like. Uh, six of them, and it's like intellect, engage, engineer, blah, blah, blah. It's basically just like the different genres of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual dice mechanic doesn't matter for them, but you can then put points into it. So then every engineering check, you'll automatically get a plus one into it. You can upgrade that. And there's there's some other types of um, uh, RPG style things you can get. You know, low on health, you have a minimum of two dice, blah, blah, blah. Um, this game is really good. This game is like really, really cool. Um, it's I, on Game Pass, right? It is on Game Pass. It is. It is on Game Pass. I definitely recommend anyone who is interested in science fiction, um, interested in like like enjoy Disco Elysium, um, or just like in, enjoys the kind of story that you don't always, you know, the the right option doesn't always yield the best results sort of thing. Not unlike a, oh, no. not unlike a, the Witcher three, for example. Right. Um, oh, it's short too. It is short. Uh, I beat it in about, uh, three sittings. It probably took me altogether about eight hours, nine hours. Um, yep. this says how long to beat says main and a half main, st- main and a half main story is five and a half hours. Main plus extra is eight and a half hours. Yep. Completionist is 10 hours. Yeah. Um, I think this game is really good. I think it's definitely not perfect. Um, okay. Specifically around two things. Oh, it's on Switch. It, it would be good on Switch. It'd be good on Switch. Um, th- th- there's two things that sort of really like made me not, not second guess the game at all because I overall I am coming out of this game very positively. But one mm-hmm. of the things that really tripped me up was that I, there's a lot of there's a lot of immediate threats 
in this game. Um, oh. They're not they're not like game ending threats, but there's a lot of things that you are going to be thinking that might get overwhelming quite quickly. Um, there's enemies in the ghost in the, in the machine world. There's a bounty hunter that wants that has been hired to kill you. There's another corporation that wants to kidnap you because I think they are responsible for like creating these sleeper androids, which you are one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like like you meet like one of your buddies who is trying to expose this corruption in the in the in the space station, and a lot of these start to develop um, time limits. So you've got like x amount of cycles, which are days, um, x amount of cycles before the negative option in this quest will happen, and so you need to try and hit the mark on each of them before they all run out, sort of thing. Mm. Um. It's not too difficult. I didn't have any issue with it. Um, if you run out of health, for example, you don't actually lose. Um, you just can't complete a certain genre of check. But then you can gain a certain amount of skill points and put that into it to basically like repair that core sort of thing. Um, I don't know if you can like lose in this game because I only I only. I only got to zero health once, but again, that like that was the only outcome that happened. It didn't give me a game over or anything. Um, the, the, the issue that I found in this game was that I like basically looked at all of the um, all of the obstacles, and I was like, "Oh no! Like the, these are going to be like the, these are going to be on my ass a fair bit." So I'm going to really make sure to tackle these and any side quest stuff I can do along the way is great, but I'm not going to really focus on it. I'm going to do most of the main mission stuff. And so I did most of the main mission stuff and I got past all the obstacles. Um, and then the game didn't like end. Um, I just sort of had the ability to go and then do all the side stuff. Um, right. Which w- was really strange. There was no immediate like... Um, credits. No. Uh, I did end up getting two credits... Because I found that the but you do complete the game, and there's there's a couple of different endings. I think, um, by and large, it's the same outcome, which is leaving the station. But um, you don't like get an immediate like, "Hey, you did like the story sort of thing." Like you've you've done everything. It's just like, "Hey, like cool, like you know, thanks for your help." Blah blah blah, and then like you're just sort of like still in the game. Um, mm. it was very, very odd. It was very strange, and I think because the, the, the quests are not like separated between main quests and side quests, they are just like here's the list of quests. So I was putting maybe more importance on the on the quests that had a time a time factor associated with them. Yeah, but I actually wonder if I didn't do all those. I don't think I would have gotten a game over. I think just a negative outcome would have happened, but it would have been just a negative story outcome as opposed to a negative gameplay outcome, like a game over sort of thing. That's very interesting. It, it is interesting. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I was definitely taken aback by it, by doing like, you know, like stopping the bad guys and then still being able to just like be in the game. Um, yeah. It's funny. That kind of really... It seems to me like that really lends itself to that role-playing aspect, right? Where it's like... In a way, you know, In yeah. real life, like, if you resolve a conflict, it's not like, you know, you stop 
you know, needing to go to sleep and get up the next day and all that. Yeah, and and I think that's a good thing, but it's I think it's it, it was it was a bit odd. Like I've got some notes so that I, that I, I sort of want to go through to sort of give a little bit of like just context behind it. Um, to talk to the characters specifically, like the actual character work in the game is really good. Like a lot of the characters have got really great perspectives. They're all really different, interesting characters. Um, one of my favorite storylines was there's it was the bounty hunter that that has been uh, paid to kill you because this guy is like a real motherfucker. This guy is like just he is he's a really awful and like he's quite right. Um, like takes pleasure in it that sort of thing. Um, and so you meet him and he's like pointing a gun at you and you're like, like, please don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how about like you start to pay for my bar tab every week? And if you keep doing that, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill you for now at least sort of thing. And so he puts you just in, into this, like this indentured servitude situation of having to go and pay like a, a pretty decent amount of money every like five or six days. So he doesn't want to. So so he doesn't kill you, basically. Um, and then eventually, you have this moment where you're like, "I'm not doing this anymore. Like you, like we, you need to stop getting me to do this. Like it's just not going to happen." And he's like, "All right." So he pulls out his gun and he goes to kill you. And then his uh, this is like this is minor. This character's spoilers. Um, uh, his contract gets taken away. And he then like freaks out and is like really angry and like is like yelling at everybody in the bar and complaining and waving his gun around and you end up. Is there voice acting? No, no. Okay. I, I, as far as I'm aware, it's a very small team that's made this. Um, yeah. I the the I don't know the name of the studio, but it did have like a full name associated with the name of the studio, which makes me think it might have only been made by one person, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, uh, they yeah like and so like this this bounty hunter is like gets then sort of becomes down in the dumps and then you end up hiring him and it it's a it's quite a tragic story. Um, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more characters in, di- in different positions. They are just sort of like character portraits and like I think one or two of them have some different variations of their character portrait, but by and large it's just like an image. But again, if it's a small team, I can understand, you know, budgetary re- restraints and stuff. Um, the vibes in this game are so good. <laughs> the, <laughs> like this game has got like such a good fucking feeling to it. Um, the, like the character portraits, while they are sort of like, while there's not many of them, they are really good. They are really um, interestingly drawn. Um, it reminds me kind of like of uh, web comics in a way, but like th- like th- that, it, like it is definitely hand drawn, not incredibly anatomically correct, but still you know works in the universe sort of thing. Um, the music is 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 quite good. Uh, like it it sets the scene quite well. Um, I think maybe the the biggest downside about the the actual art and design of the game is maybe that the overworld is a little bit basic. It is just a ring that you scroll with your mouse wheel across um, and you can just look at the locations from very high above. Things, Some things change, like, you know, if a ship is here now and the ship leaves and the ship won't be in the overworld anymore, which is a, a 3D overworld, but it's 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 still pretty basic. I kind of wanted a little bit more 
a little bit more to, of the world feeling a bit dynamic, a bit more alive. If an explosion happens at a bar, for example, I kind of wanted to see that. Maybe like like zoom in really close and maybe be able to like hear some chattering or cars or something, you know, like make it sort of feel lived in. Um, it is yeah. relatively basic. And a bit more interactive. Maybe, yeah. Just a, a bit more dynamic and a bit more reactive to what's actually happening in the game. Uh, I can confirm uh, this is developed by Jump Over the Age, mm -hmm. a one-person game development studio founded by Gareth Damian Martin. There you go. Um, from one person, this is like a really good, a really good thing. Um, describe themselves, or they are described in this thing as an award-winning writer, designer, and artist. Um, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Um, like Disco Elysium, this game is full of critiques on capitalism. It's quite good in that regard. But the game felt kind of easy and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of issues of, you know, like like these poor people are trying to get on this spaceship so they can leave this place because it's kind of dangerous and then there's like a lottery sort of thing and turns out only rich people were selected for the lottery, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and I like the idea that like it's, it's a dice-based game and so at the end of the day it's it's just about trying to get lucky because the odds are not really stacked in your favor sort of thing. But as I got stronger in the game, I sort of just managed to stack the odds in my favor because I was upgrading a lot. And so then it started to get to the point where I was never losing. Mm -hmm. And large sections of the game, I was like, well, like not large, important sections of the game, which is like, hey, you've got eight cycles or nine cycles to get through this really intense thing. And if you don't do this within nine cycles, old mate over there is going to die and everything's going to fail. I was like knocking it out in like two, sometimes one cycle. Um, right, like okay. there was, there was not really a lot of challenge towards the end. And I would have liked to maybe feel that like trying to overcome, you know, this capitalist society sort of, in a, maybe just in, like a stronger fashion. Um, right. Like if you got, that much stronger than the odds should have been stacked against you that much harder or it's something. kinda yeah and like i understand that that would so go sort of go against some of its progression but i feel like the message the, the the themes and the message that the game is trying to get across sometimes get lost in that in just like you know it's the it's just the like, my numbers went up sort of way right um you find different houses along the way you can stay in and that's like it, they're pretty like I don't know why there's multiple houses because they, they don't give you any separate buffs aside from one of them as a cat so I always went to the one with the cat oh. and just fed the cat right. um, they're all identical I don't know why there are four different places you can sleep um, they all do the exact same thing um, my, my final sort of bits on it is that, like I wish the storage overlapped a little bit um, a lot. There are many stories that you are involved with all the way through. I like that the NPCs are not there to service you. Oftentimes, you are there to service them, or you just happen to be doing the same thing at the same time, and you work together in what feels like kind of a natural way. But it's not always about like, "Hey, you, you help me, the main character." Um, and I think that is testament to the writing. That being said, I kind of wish that there was a little bit of over. I was doing things that sometimes felt like it could have had a really natural overlap with something else that I was doing. 
again, I know that would blow out the scope a fair bit, especially yeah. because you can ignore some side quests until you want to oh. start it. Yeah, all of a sudden that that one dialogue interaction has like six possibilities. Exactly, yeah. right. So I, I understand why. Um, it just did feel kind of strange that everything is in a way treated with the same level of importance when it definitely isn't. And when things would be happening at the same time, they would be connecting, but they're not sort of thing. Um, again, that's because I've been playing Disco Elysium and they do that, but like it's, it's, it's neither here nor there. Um, you can get locked out of stories if you fail them. Um, I failed one of them and it didn't make me feel very good. Um, and I think it's good that not everything should be achievable in the game at all times. Um, totally. But again, if sometimes people don't like it when that happens, so it's worth bringing up. Um, yeah, it's an interesting difference, right? Because you can have like a Fallout game or like Horizon where like someone dies. This doesn't happen so much in Fallout, but like... In, a, in like another RPG where if like that character dies, then they're like, this, they, they got some other voice actor to come in. It's like, oh, you're this, you're this person's sister. Oh, you've got a quest for me. What's the quest? Yeah. And it's like, they just give you the quest instead. So yeah, like it's good to have that sort of repercussion, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, like again, just the, the falling into the capitalist trappings of... Now that I'm rich, I'm kind of just getting richer. Health is trivial. Getting cheaper, like it, like so. A, a big part of it is that you like you uh, don't consume the same food and medicine as as everyone else does. You consume food that food that can give you energy, but the actual like your health, like a, a big early plot point is trying to find a way to uh, find out something that can actually like give you health because mm. no one actually knows how to give you health. And so it is just slowly dwindling and you're getting less and less dice because you're starting a day with less um, health. That's cool. And like it, it's, it's really cool. Um, and then when you find it, it's like a big like, oh my God, like I've got this thing now and it's still quite expensive though. So I still got to sort of work my ass off to be able to buy it again when I'm going to need it next. But like maybe halfway through the game, it becomes like, oh, like I've got like, I've got two times the amount of money sitting in the bank and I've got two... Um, of these health things to the point where it, it at this point, if you remove the mechanic, I wouldn't feel any different at all. Um, I got a I got a communism achievement by literally just joining a commune, um, which was really funny. It was like, and the the name of the achievement was just the word communism in all caps, and the description of the achievement was just the literal description of like to join a commune. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I I think this game is good. I I think that it, this is like a really solid game. Um, not without like its little hitches, but I think by and large, it's a really cool um, little science fiction story. Um, it's got a lot of heart in it and it's it's just got some really immaculate vibes. So I, I, I definitely recommend Citizen Sleeper. Great. Well, that's cool. I mean, I've been hearing great things about it, um, but it's good to hear like much more about it. Hear why people are talking about it so much. It is definitely a Jeremy Core game. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like thinking about how long you and June have been talking about Disco Elysium, sitting here going like, this could well have just been like directly like a result of Disco Elysium. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. And that's cool. It's cool that we can start to see stuff that that game inspired. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, Jeremy, speaking of games that we have spoken about that we wanted to get to, 
Uh, I also did this. I also got to a game on my list um, that I wanted to get to. It wasn't one that I thought I would do immediately, though. You know, last week I spoke, I wanted, I wanted to try Sifu, and I'm, I can't wait to get to Horizon, and I'm going to finish Guardians. But this week, I actually bought and downloaded and played Rogue Legacy 2 first. Right. Um, kind of on a whim. Weem? A weem? Weem. What's a weem? Not, not the word you want. I say it like that? Whim. Yeah, whim is what I... A weem. I, <laughs> kind of on a whim. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, on a whim, I, I just got it. And I think because I was, I was editing the podcast, I was like, I want to be playing like a new roguelike if I'm going to be playing something while I edit. Uh, so it's been quite fun. It's been quite good. I think I spoke about last week how it's been long enough since I played the last one and how like I kind of felt like I did all of the all of the parts of that game. Because that game is a rogue light where every run contributes to your overall progression and you get stronger overall. And so generally the game becomes solved by the end. Um, unlike something like Binding of Isaac where your runs are so different each time where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen next or I could get a really cool combination. This isn't quite like that. Yeah. Um, but it is good to return to this loop of, you know, it's a 2D, like, action platformer game where you spawn in as a, as an heir to the previous character's run. So Sir, Sir Benny was one of them, and then when they die, you get to choose one out of three heirs to Sir Benny. It's the um, knights. It's the Splunky 2 story. Kind of. They're not all descendants of each other. They're not. They're not descendants of descendants of descendants of descendants. Oh just no! Like, I just mean in terms of like it's the yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and yeah, you just go around the map, and you're quite weak to start off with. But you get gold when you finish a run, and you spend it on leveling up how much health you have to start with, and how much damage you do, and how many spells you can cast, and how much armor you can hold, and how many trinkets you can carry, and. There's, you unlock the blacksmith and you unlock the the safe at the dock so that when the the Grim Reaper takes you to the castle again, you don't lose all your money immediately. And <clears throat> like it's all very Rogue Legacy One stuff. Um like it's it's all there. There's some cool return return of things. Like um every heir has the chance to have different traits there's one which is gigantism and your character is just huge that's fun there's one that is like um there's an ibs trait so you just fart a lot um Good. there's one where your character is uh nostalgic and so the the screen is sepia there's a sepia filter on it there's a color blindness one so it's all black and white uh there's one that i saw and it doesn't tell you what the description is until you actually select it for the first time and then afterwards, it's like, this was what it is. You've experienced this before. And some of them give you like a plus 25% like gold modifier or something like that. There's one called Diva, which I'm pretty sure is there's a spotlight on you and then the rest of the world is dark because you can't see anything because there's a spotlight on you the whole time. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's just, it's very silly. And the writing's very fun as well. There was one which was, um, when I unlocked the assassin class, it says, puts the... It says puts the sass in sass. So it said the first the first one was S A S S and and it says put the sass in 
double S A double S, as in assassin, uh, is very silly. And then they were like, the assassin is trained in three hit combos, <laughs> and they they use their two swords to strike three times, and they're very good at striking three times and only three times. <laughs> it, was, it was written much more funny than what I said. Sure, about it. Yeah. you know, it's lots, it's it's just that kind of really quick, quippy, um, kind of description and writing all over the place, but. Yeah, I'm not very far. I'm probably only five or six hours in. Um, I haven't been the first boss yet. Boss yet, um, but I think one of the biggest differences that I'm enjoying. Um, well, the graphics are phenomenal. They look fantastic. Um, the music's fine. It's pretty non. It's pretty negligible at the moment. Uh, nothing's really caught caught my attention in terms of the music. Um, but the just the the level design of the kind of thing where it's like you know you start to learn each. There's like different parts of the castle. So the first part is one area and that's got certain secret rooms that you start to recognize. So every time you come across this room, you know, oh, if I go there, there's like a law place that I can go through a hidden wall and get there. Um, and there's all those challenge rooms as well, where it's like you get there and it's like, oh, take out the take out the targets, but don't take any damage um, or don't jump but right. all the targets are up there or you've got to get up a ledge and it's like, I don't know how to do this or I need a new ability to solve this. Um, and so it's clever. It's fun like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny. I think it is it is different in a lot of ways, but the, the biggest differences are just the character classes. Like there's a chef class, which has like a heal on demand, which is cool. Um, but the chef's weapon is just a frying pan and it ignites people when you when you smack them with it. Um, but also it deflects projectiles when you hit things with it with a really satisfying bonk sound, which is awesome. Nice. Um, I played like a dragon lancer yesterday, which is like a big spear you could charge up and then like charge across the map with it. And it's really strong, but really slow. Yeah. There's so much variance and it's, it's really just like base level competent rather Fu fundamentally competent I guess I would say fundamentally competent where it kind of doesn't matter how you're engaging with the game all the systems just flow and work and are fun um, yeah it's 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 really good I, I need to see how it feels after a bit like how each of the biomes feel after a while mm -hmm. like I don't know how that sense of progression is going to go because I'm feeling like I've I'm at the point where I've kind of solved most of the area of the first of the first zone, but that boss is still really hard. So right. I'm trying to figure out like, you know, I don't want to keep grinding away at that boss, but also like the other place is just really easy. Do I go forward into the new area without doing the first boss? I guess I could do that. But yeah, there's just lots of little discussions. I could, I could see myself falling off of this game. Right, um, okay. Not, not like, and again, falling off, in particular, not deciding not to play it again. Just like, yeah, a, but, oh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll play it again sometime. I'll get back to it. Um, but just not. Um, and I wonder if that's because, like, while it is updated, it's still very Rogue Legacy. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky problem. Um, there was a way that Spelunky created its sequel that was kind of different than anything else I'd ever seen before. You know what I mean? Where it was fundamentally the same, but there were so many small additions that had big ramifications if you engaged with them that it felt entirely different. And also, 
like wholly refined as, at the same time. Yeah, like Spelunky Two was um, like it's it's almost uh, not a sequel, but mm. almost like an adjacent game because yeah. it's it's fundamentally mechanically like the same game but with a different like a different set of tools right it's just like a different cast yeah totally in a different environment yeah yeah like i do wonder like could you make a spelunky one and two which randomly picks elements from either of them to then make a rogue spelunky (laughs) 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 roguelunky Uh, that would be cool. Um, yeah, no, that would be interesting. This one hasn't done that. It hasn't. It, and it, 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 it was so deft what they did with with Spelunky. I don't even know how to describe it. Sometimes, yeah. like, it wasn't an evolution, but it was. It wasn't a redefinition, but it was. Yeah, like, it was so masterfully, purposefully iterated upon that. Um. It's really hard to sort of like hold in my mind's eye and describe it. Um, but yeah, Rogue Legacy, it doesn't feel as. Like Splunky 2 is almost like the B side. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's not, like... it's not, it's, it, yeah, it's not like the next one. It's just like, it's just the other side of the same album. Totally. Whereas this, this feels like the next one. Yeah, right. Okay. This feels like Rogue Legacy 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's what it says on the box. And hey, that's what it says on the box. That's what I got when I bought it. So, like, yeah. can't be mad at that. Um, it is fun, though, and not too expensive. It's, 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 it's difficult. It, it's not difficult to recommend. It is not difficult to recommend. I have to say that again to make sure I said it with the right amount of nots and don'ts. <laughs> uh. And then I just got a little addendum here. Um, earlier today, uh, Jeremy, you and I yesterday, we were playing some games in the evening. Oh, wait, Kerry, then... are you ready? Oh, are we, is it the, is it time for the gag? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's, what's it going to be this time? Oh, <laughs> there's a barcode on my forehead. <laughs> It's on the back of his head. I though. know, but I started recording and I went, oh, I haven't prepared anything. A gag. So I Googled barcode PNG, <laughs> threw it into the fucking, as, a, as an image source. I didn't uh, even check if this was a PNG until I just turned it on just then because like, I, oh, I, I would have spoiled the gag. Look, trying to, trying looks, to make my forehead larger so it fits. It looks so bad. <laughs> I wonder what series of numbers come up when you scan that. <laughs> if if anyone scans this barcode, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Um so I was playing a bit of Hitman today. Uh we were playing with Ollie last night and he was like, So Kerry, you playing Hitman tomorrow? I'm like, oh what? <laughs> and we'd we'd vaguely discussed it earlier in the week. It was like, oh it'd be cool to I don't know, we could play Hitman together, or I could watch you play Hitman in VR. And so we did that this morning. Well, it was 12 o'clock when I started, actually. And after a lot of, like, oh, I'm streaming, but it's streaming the Steam window, and oh, it's not giving you audio now, and oh, my, now mine's broken, I have to restart this, and 
all of that stuff. Uh, when we finally got it working, I um, I just played played about an hour, hour and a half of Hitman with um, Ollie running shotgun. And that game in VR is... Uh, it's so hard to describe how silly it is. But it is just so silly. I played Hokkaido, which is the... Uh, the medical resort in Japan, um, in the in the in the frosty mountains, in the snowy mountains from the first season, um, and because that was because like I've done Paris so much, I've done Sapienza a lot, you know, I've done some of the others. It's just like let's let's do this one. I haven't done this one, and it's funny because Ollie and I played like an elusive target on that map when we were playing Hitman for the first time together, like five years ago. Um, and he and I both remember the map from then, but like not, we realized neither of us had done the actual story mission. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were, we were, we were watching the stories like, oh, she's a lawyer. Oh, she's bad. She's going to put through a transaction that is good, bad for the ICO. Okay, cool. And then, and then they're like, there's a second target who's getting surgery. And Ollie was like, that's the surgery room. I didn't know what that was for. (laughs) (laughs) So we start. Oh, excuse my cat, please. We start uh, playing, mm-hmm. and there's the cutscene, and it zooms in on. Uh, <laughs> and I chose my, I chose a different outfit for my character. So instead of being in this nice like kimono resort outfit, um, <laughs> it zooms in on on Tobias Reaper lying on top of his bed, perfectly straight like a vampire. Yeah. In a cowboy outfit. Nice, good, good. <laughs> so he's in like boots, boots and with a hat lying down in bed. And then I wake up in VR and I'm just, I'm at level with the bed. My head is, and I can see the edge of my feet tucking. The, I've like clipped into the bed. Yeah. And so I'm like looking around and I can see like my neck. And it's very funny. And I stand up, I walk around, I go outside and the, this room has a balcony view overhanging an edge of a mountain that looks out onto this valley and it's stunning it's amazing it's it's so pretty you could see the streets down there there's fireworks down there in the village and there's a radio tower there was like a lantern going across the sky which was difficult to see because my vr resolution isn't quite that good um (laughs) and like the streams down there and i look over the ledge and i look down and i'm like whoa that's a long way down but also all the trees start popping in so it's a it's an interesting mix of like wow and (laughs) (laughs) and then i see the neighboring suites balcony and i'm like i can climb over this railing can't i ollie's like yeah i think so and so i climb over the railing and i and i walk over the the partition wall to the beside the railing of the next person and then this other (laughs) attendant who's also wearing a cowboy hat walks outside and gets on the phone but i'm trespassing so i'm crouched and i'm sitting there and i'm looking around the corner i'm waiting for to get off the phone finally gets off the phone and i'm like trying to remember the controls and i'm like okay stand up uh, and jump over the fence okay and i'm trying to chase this guy but i don't remember the run button and so i'm just walking after him with my with my (laughs) arms outstretched i'm like get back here wait and then the door opens and and so i just hide to the side i'm like ah (laughs) (laughs) And, and so like the the start of the game was just me remembering how to do stuff and so i looked up how to run and i'm like okay that button's run and I, and I exit the room like, okay, no one's angry with me. That's funny. And then there's just security guards standing standing by. And, so, and immediately I start trying to hold their hands. 
<laughs> just doing random shit or just like touching their face. <laughs> That's so funny. And so I try to hold their hands and they turn around and they're like, hey, you got a problem or something? I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm miming like Mr. Bean all of a sudden because I'm, I'm like waving at people and I'm just like, just like reaching out to them. And then being in eventually VR is I just, a lot like being Mr. Bean, isn't it? It's just like, hello, it is. hello. <laughs> but especially in Hitman, because like when you walk past a lot of people, I said this the first time I played, when you walk past people, a lot of the time they say hi and they're like, how's the day going? Like the target walked past me like 10 minutes later for like the third time. And the security guards kept like walking into me and I walked and I walked back and I'm like, oh, hi, how's it going? Because like I was being an obnoxious, you know, resort member of like hey how's it going and she walked past she's like good how's your day i'm like oh quite nice thank you i also walked into into a bathroom and someone was sitting on the toilet and i'm like oh my god sorry <laughs> and I like closed the door and backed out <laughs> but back when i was learning the the thing and i'm like i'm like trying to hold the security guard's hand eventually i think ollie just said like punch him <laughs> or something like that and so i did <laughs> and then ollie got to watch me do the 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 dance of of just Punching as frequently as you can because a lot of the time your punch is too weak yeah. in VR for some reason. Yeah. So I die. Restart. I just go straight straight out the door. And I turn right and I find uh, there's this little set piece thing of one of the targets arriving from the... What do you call those things? The the ski... It's not a ski lift, but you know the you know the lifts on the, the cable car. Yeah. Um, and so she's walking up the ramp from the cable car and at this intersection of walkways, there are like two staff members and the head doctor is walking down the ramp to come and meet the, the, the target. And by the time I get there, the two uh, staff members are bowing on either side of the corridor. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And I walk into the middle between the two... Uh, staff members and also bow <laughs> behind the doctor and I'm looking up and I'm looking to the two to the two uh <laughs> crew members and I'm like and I said Ollie do you think I'm gonna blend in? Do you think they'll let me follow them around now? <laughs> <laughs> and of course they didn't. But like no one like gave me shit either yeah. because they only a lot of people are bothered when you crouch in that game, but I wasn't doing anything. I was just standing there bowed over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the last thing I did was um, the target walked past me again and Ollie was just like, punch her. So I did. (laughs) (laughs) And then it became this like shootout and I was trying to like aim in VR and I was very silly. And then I ended up, I ended up following through one of the things I (laughs) I got behind one of the scenes and I was like (laughs) turning up. I got into the like temperature room for the hot spring Mm -hmm. and I just turned up the sauna (laughs) and I turned off the cold water into the hot springs. As you do. Uh, (laughs) It turns out that was like a perfect setup to do like a yoga session if you knock out the yoga person and impersonate them. <laughs> and then you could like just push one of the targets off in this private yoga session. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, now I'm nauseous. I need to stop. Is that, is, <laughs> is that the one where you, you get her to do the positions further and further along the edge? Yeah, yeah. until she's right on the edge and then, you, and then you shove her. Yeah. And Ollie was like, you just shoved that woman. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, it's Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> but also I looked over the edge. I'm like, ah, that's like a... That's a like a five meter drop into water. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was that that game. That game is already silly in sort of like a 
kind of like a slapstick hidden kind of way. Yeah. But it's just amped up to 11 in VR. Like I was trying to knock out this helicopter pilot. I had a crowbar in my hand and I was just wailing on him. And he's just like, oh, 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 oh. And sometimes it was playing like the slap sound effect. And sometimes there's this like thonk as like the crowbar. And I couldn't for the life of me knock this guy out. I was just, <laughs> I was just knocking him around. And it wasn't making any noise like that people could hear yeah. until he like fell over and I couldn't reach him anymore. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> Turns out the crowbar is only useful to knock someone out when you throw it. Right. When you're holding it in your hand, it doesn't do anything. That's good. That's very good. <laughs> so then I'm trying to throw it, which involves like you need to aim with the left hand, let go at the right time at, with the right hand. And so a bunch of time I just like throw it at him, but not at him. So it just like falls on the ground. People are like, oh, I heard something drop over there. And I'm just wailing on this guy for like five minutes. Yeah. And then he gets up and I just run away. <laughs> it's like this, this was a bust. This You know what? You deserve it. You 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 win. <laughs> exactly. You won. It's over. So yeah, I highly recommend Hitman VR if you have access to it. It's just I should I should really I should just play it, right? Uh, the amount of taps I turned on, Jeremy, and, uh, and like the quality was quite good. Like I was looking down and I was like, wow, this Jeremy, uh, Ollie was saying this actually. He was like, wow, the carpet's getting soggy. I'm like, oh, like Nathan Drake's pants. <laughs> <laughs> like Drake's but more pants. than that, aside from mirror reflections, the mirror reflections are terrible. But um, like the, the reflections in like marble floor where you see the, the lighting up above and stuff like that is quite impressive. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'd have a good time. But you know that already. I think I would have a good time as well. Yeah. Uh, well, that was it for Hitman, everybody. Uh, we're going to take a... Oh, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Well, what do you think? Should we should we talk about this before or after the break? Because it kind of leads into our next topic. Uh, we can do it after the break. Okay, cool. We're going to have a quick break now. And then um, we're going to talk about a trailer that we saw this last week at Sony's State of Play. Uh, before going into talking about um, sort of PSVR 2. Uh, now that we've, we've seen a few more games for the console, um, we know a bit more about it, only a little bit more, but enough that I feel like we could talk about the state of VR at the moment and what PSVR 2 is going to do when it enters the landscape um, either this year or next. So stick ne around, next. everybody. <laughs> yeah, next. yeah. No date yet, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're going to go to a break. Uh... Jeremy, you're ready on the buttons? Oh, yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> definitely am. Always ready. Okay. Always ready on the buttons, Kerry. Nothing, always ready. Something that I'm always ready on, Kerry. It's the buttons. We'll be right back, everybody. <laughs> what the fuck what why what is happening <laughs> were you just staring at me <laughs> welcome back to the mini map cast i didn't realize you're gonna throw it to me so quickly <laughs> <laughs> I, asked, I asked if you were ready and then you stared at me for 30 seconds until we both cracked and then you threw it from the break yeah yeah man 
You gotta, you gotta, I gotta keep you on your toes. You know, you can't get, you can't get complacent. Oh man, chaos gob, uh, chaos goblin energy over here. Yeah. Chaos, chaos, as they say. <laughs> hey, Jeremy. Hey, Kerry. Do you think they're going to be talking about chaos in <laughs> Final Fantasy 16? I don't know. They're talking about fate a lot in that trailer, so I don't know if they're going to go into maybe a little bit of chaos magic or not. They do, do. Uh, so it was a Sony state of play this last week. A lot of people have been saying it's maybe their best state of play. It was good uh, to date. It was good. I thought it was pretty good. It was it was jam packed. It was like twenty seven minutes, fifteen trailers. Yeah. It was absolutely chockers. There was not a lot of details, but there was like, some exciting stuff. You know, yeah. There was no totally. like there was no PSVR two release date price. There was no. God of War, Ragnarok, but there were some some cool fucking games. Yeah, totally. Like Spider Man coming to PC. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, that was maybe the worst of- thing about it. That was maybe. The, sorry, I need to get angry. Why? So, and finally, a PlayStation Classic game is making its way onto PC. Bloodborne? No, Spider Man. Oh, <laughs> that's that's on you. No, no one I said know. Bloodborne was going to be. No, there. but but me and everybody else on Twitter was very upset that it wasn't Bloodborne. Is the thing they they oh, wow. they waited they waited to say Spider Man for one too many beats that there was just enough hope to build to then get immediately owned. Bloodborne is going to be if if it happens, which I'm still not convinced it's ever going to happen. If it happens, it'll be a cold drop. It'll be, it won't be. And now let's hear what blue points working. Like it won't be that. I think. I think it'll just be, bam. Well, I, I don't think it'll be blue point that'll do Bloodborne. I think it'll just. Oh, be no, no, a- I know. But as an example, I don't think it's going to be that. Like, thanks Capcom for showing us so much of your thing. We're so excited to be now. Let's get an update from one of gaming's most popular entries in the. You know, I don't think it'll be all that faff beforehand for a Bloodborne announcement. Maybe. Ah, but. Point being, um, there's a number of things there. Most of them we thought were interesting, but not necessarily worth bringing up for the podcast on their own, except we both just want to talk a bit about Final Fantasy 16. And part of that for me is because uh, you and I, Jeremy, were talking about it on Discord that morning, and you were more positive on it than I was. Um, and I wanted to ask you more, and you were like, oh, I'll talk to you about it more after lunch. But then we never had that conversation. Yeah. Um, so the trailer's quite interesting. It's it's gameplay. It's proper gameplay that we've seen this time. Um, a lot of cinematics. This game looks very, very serious. Like, very intense. Like, maybe there's going to be, like, five War. minutes of levity <laughs> in this game total. Like, it looks very serious. Um, I don't know. They all look serious. I mean, Final Fantasy fifteen stopped looking serious as soon as you saw the car trip. Well, um, Final Fantasy stopped looking serious. Sorry, Final Fantasy fifteen stopped looking serious the moment that the development changed from serious to like. If you look at the first trailer for Final Fantasy fifteen before it was called Final Fantasy fifteen, that was a very serious game. Mm. Yeah, it's having played a bit more Final Fantasy twelve this last week and I was showing you before like um, I, I got to this big cutscene in the game and like it was Shakespearean in writing and overlong and self-serious like 
And then Sam was watching me do the fight in between like cutscene bits. And Sam was like, is anything going to happen? <laughs> like Sam was like actively bored by the cutscenes and the gameplay. Yeah. And so like, I'm getting, I'm getting some vibes of that here, but tell me, tell me what you were enjoying so much about the trailer. I think that this game, from what I've seen, it looks like it knows exactly what it is. And I think that that's a good thing. Um, Okay. Look, looking at the, the, the previous batch of Final Fantasy games, and I think I'm going to exclude 14 just from this yeah. side of it because that, that's so different. It, it's so different, and like it went through a whole revision, right? Like a, a very famous revision. A um, very famous failure. Yes, yes. And resuscitation. Yes. Um, uh, 13. 15 and 7 remake mm-hmm. uh they all they are all are a, a, a little bit more whimsical um 13 not as much but 13 has got good like it's got light funny character it's got characters that are the um the the comedic relief characters for example right um and it's dealing more about those are character-driven games, right? You know, like the plot of Final Fantasy VII, the plot of Final Fantasy XV, it's important, but it's the game about Cloud. It's the game about Noctis. It's the game about Lightning games. Um, and this doesn't seem like that as much. This seems more about, like, the world and the sides, and it's maybe more like a... It, it, it's, it, it's sort of... M- I, it, it it just it's got a different tone to it. Um, this does remind me more of a Final Fantasy twelve, um, and honestly, it reminds me more of the early Final Fantasies. This feels like Absolutely. a it's like a Final Fantasy one to whenever they started having Six. characters. Yeah, um, and I I think that's interesting. Um, I I think it's it's interesting that they're going to go back to that formula seemingly because that's not one that they've been in in a while. Final Fantasy fourteen is that, but there are a lot of characters in that as well. Um, yeah, and it's an MMO. <laughs> yes, and and I th- and I think that this is where Final Fantasy fourteen falls into into this conversation is that this is, uh, lots of the same team. Lots of the same leads totally. as fourteen, um, and it, and a lot of those people it. haven't necessarily worked on core Final Fantasy games in the past. Yeah, um, and I think the why that is really interesting to me. Hello, Griffin. <laughs> um, wanna, oh no, you don't like. Okay, that's fine. Okay. I I think why that's really interesting is that over the past, let's say, four years. Five years, Final Fantasy fourteen has turned into something larger than, almost larger than any other Final Fantasy. Almost, yeah. Like seven, yeah. seven maybe still tops it as like a as like a product that people are like at know of. Um, but like fourteen is now just like a whole different beast. Yeah, totally. And like that's the nature of. Oh, sorry for this desperate catch all over me. Um. That's the nature of an on, a successful ongoing game, right? And that's what they wanted. They, that's what they wanted to make when they made fourteen, and that's what they eventually got to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the biggest problem with single player games for big 
publishers and developers these days is they don't print money like GTA Online does, like Fortnite does, like Apex does. Um, but but I also think that it's important to know that MMOs don't do that like they used to, right? Like there were more, you know, especially specifically subscription-based MMOs. They are almost a relic of the past at this point, and there's a handful of them that still exist, but there's way less than there ever used to be. Um, yep. And 14 exists in this weird resurgence of like, it turns out when you make the best version of that product, people will like, you know, give like good money over bad to experience it because they want to. Um, mm-hmm. And they feel like it's worth it for them. Like they feel like it, you know, every time I've, I've like I've, I've canceled my subscription for now because I've been playing it in for a hot minute, but like, I, I never once felt like me paying for Final Fantasy fourteen wasn't worth my money because it just it just felt like such a complete product and there was so much to sure. do in it that it was by and large like mostly really good. Um, yep. So seeing that transform into a offline single player experience, which like visually looks great as Final Fantasy it games. It does look great. Like as as Final Fantasy games by and large have looked great over the years. Yeah, like fifteen was quite impressive for the time. Fifteen still looks quite good. Thirteen still looks really good. Seven looks great, yeah. obviously. Um the seven remake, yeah, good point. Yeah. Um I th- I think that plus, you know, the the era of turn based Final Fantasy is gone. Um, yeah, th- and it has been for a long time. Yeah. Um, and this being a more character action-focused, final, f- like fully-fledged Final Fantasy game, basically that just isn't 15. Um, has, yeah, has got me. it didn't have the, the troubled development. Uh, yeah, like it's, it's got me excited. You know, like I haven't, it hasn't had its name change. It hasn't had development restarted. It hasn't been, you know, complete... Um, uh, creative overhauls, all that stuff, right? Um, as well as, like, I think Final Fantasy XV's, like, it, it, I, I, I enjoyed the characters there for what they were, but I think those characters in that story, for me, is what really never made me super click with it. Um, and I've, I've, tried, I've tried to go back to that game, like, three or four times, and it just, it just I always sort of get to roughly the same point where it just, I just fall off of it. Um... If 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 this game has got momentum, then like I I can see myself doing like the whole thing, uh, sure. going the whole nine yards. Um, and I think the other thing is that like it's it's you know it is extraordinarily over the top. There's gods and monsters you know fighting in the sky, and it looks like this yeah. epic battle on a grand scale, all that stuff. Very dramatic. And I'm watching the trailer going. I don't know what is going on at all, but I'm excited for when I do. Um, which, Interesting. Which is which is not a thing I often think. It mm. it you have to like you have to make me want to buy in for me to think that sort of thing. Um, you know, like maybe a good example of that is uh, watching. Uh, like maybe like watching like Lord of the Rings for the first time and they have like you know the big set pieces of like you know world building stuff and like I don't know why I I want to know about that area but then when I find out more about the characters that were there and stuff like that that's how you sort of get into it mm-hmm. Um, this is doing that for me Um, 
I am I am I am quite excited for this game. Great. I'm glad. Yeah, no, the trailer's very interesting. I think I I think the tone puts me off, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it'll be fine. But it it's hard for me to feel like there's much appeal in something where it's like, oh no, we're going to war again. I'm going to set the fate straight. This time it's gonna be different. like you know, like like that was the whole trailer was so like, oh, when soldiers die, we'll just make more. When buildings fall, we'll make more. The Empire will stand. Like, cool. Okay. Like, I get it. But it's very serious. And it it, it, it just, it is a bit off-putting to me. I hope, I hope it's not a, so so much to the point that it actually gets in the way of me enjoying it when I get to playing it. Right. Um, I'm also confused a lot by, like, the gameplay and the UI and stuff like that. Like the UI is kind of this almost like futuristic style. Like it's kind of like a, almost like a 13 style UI um, in terms of the, the font styling and the, how it looks on screen. And like, I don't necessarily know how you do it any other way, but it kind of, it reads as off to me when everything else is so medieval. It's so fantastic. Which I think is, fantasy. which I think is interesting because to me, the UI reads like, Oh, these are the Final Fantasy fourteen devs. Yeah, because it's it's the same styling of UI um, mm. that I was able to read anyway. And and to be to be clear, it's it rather to be fair, it is very clear UI. Like everything there makes a lot of sense. Like you got, I can kind of tell. Oh, they've got different like character portraits up there. I guess maybe you can change between characters or party members, or maybe your own character can swap between like affinities of different summons and then they enhance your abilities differently. Like all I gained from that, I gained all of that rather only from looking at the UI. So like, I think there's a lot there, but something I also found interesting was that there's such a mix of different um, combat styles. You've got your sort of, you know, taking out goons sort of combat, which looks good, fine enough. Um, And then you've got these cinematic like boss battle style things where you've got two health bars across the top, um, and then the UI gets really simplified. You don't see all your abilities on screen and all of that. And so that looks like that'll be really intense. Like, a, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like a fighting game or like maybe like a Soulsborne kind of, a intense fighting style. Who knows if like, it'll go to a, like a different, different combat style entirely for those scenes. And then it looks like you might be fighting as like gods, you know, as, as these summons that are. I, I like they've kind of gone with the Final Fantasy fifteen um, route of having these these monsters and summons and creatures be literally like skyscrapers tall. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I like they're doing that again, and it seems these these creatures are are bonded with certain people, and so then these people will like let loose these these kaiju sized monsters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then those fights are also seeming like traditional fighting game style fight. So yeah, there's a lot of disparate things going on there that has me a little like, how many directions are we going to be being pulled here when we play? Now, I'm, I'm going to say something to you and you're not going to be super like down with like what I'm saying, but like it, okay. this, this is, this is more, um, this, this, this more kingdom hearts than it is like final fantasy of the PS2 era. Um, in in the in the, the 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 changing of the playstyle for a boss battle, the 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 scale shift 
and you know, that's not to say that they haven't done this in the past in Final Fantasy games, but like they do this in all Kingdom Hearts games. Um, right. And it's like it, it's it, it's a really good way of making the fight feel the like correct on a on a on a size sense on a scale sense. Um, like the stakes of the fight match the gameplay that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they do that a ton in Kingdom Hearts, and especially well in two, um, and pretty mm. decently in three. I feel, um, and it's it, it's a it's a I'm excited to do that in a in a mainline Final Fantasy game, I think. Okay. Um so at the end of the trailer, summer twenty twenty three, yeah. A, do you think it hits it? B, are you upset with the date? I think they hit it and being upset about dates is for babies. Um <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, like I think like, I I think they hit it's, that. It's a year away at this stage. Yeah, I've they said the other day that the game is playable from start to finish. Um so it's it's not okay. it's not gold. They're still polishing, but like a year's worth of polish. Like yeah, like they'll they'll hit it. That's good. Um, That's good. And like localization and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Um, it. I have I have no reason to believe that they're not going to hit it. I I've not heard a single thing about this game being in any, any trouble. Um. True. We've heard very little about this game, but that's a good point. But like, but like everything I have heard from people in charge, you know, obviously they they want to put out a sense of like hey we're doing everything right but like they've been really open with like yeah like things are good just things are good <laughs> yep um so you know power to them yeah yeah no it's interesting i'm i'm very keen to see how they go where they land how this hits uh yeah you know you know what that means though right the final fantasy 7 remake 2 comes out the year after if not the year after the year after, I, I, th- I think I think we will see Final Fantasy VII Remake two announced think- uh, whenever the twenty fifth anniversary is later this year. Okay, and then we'll see gameplay of it next year after this comes yep. out. Okay, to release the year after, twenty twenty four. Maybe are they working on it in tandem? Yes. Yeah, they are two different teams. Two different teams. Okay, I didn't know that. I, I thought I, they were I, the same team. As far as I'm aware, they're two different teams. I know that it's like, like for example, like Nomura isn't touching this game at all. He doesn't have anything to do with this. Um, okay. And the the logo at the front. Why I thought that? Why did I think that? That logo at the front. That's the um, creative Creative Labs three or something. Yeah, I don't I I don't know what that is. Um, but that's that's not that's not the Nomura team. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know why I thought they were so linked. I thought some. I thought some. I thought thought people were going to work on sixteen before seven two came out. Okay. Oh yeah, I could see that happening then if we see it. Um. Uh, twenty twenty four. Oh man, that's a long time. It's like four years since the original game. Ugh. Ugh. It's like two years from now. Ugh. That's so sad. <laughs> I almost went. I almost played that game during the week. Um, seven remake to. Yeah. Go for the platinum. Yeah. Well, I've already got the platinum. Go for the hundred percent with the DLC. Uh, yeah. So that's our little Final Fantasy sixteen check in. Um, speaking of the state of play, though, what we saw there, well, like like we said at the start, we didn't see any dates or hardware hands on or anything like that. But we did see 
three or four or five? What did we saw? Four, I think. Four or five games oh my announced God. to have. Sorry, what? just really quick. I I just I, I wanted to Google what the the what the Square Enix Creative Business Unit three was. Um, creative Business Unit. Yeah, right. They've got um, so Square Enix have four Creative Business Units. Creative Business Unit one is the uh, Kingdom Hearts. The, 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 there's different divisions inside of it. But division sure. division one does mainline single player Final Fantasy games such as Final Fantasy thirteen seven remake. Uh, division business division three does the Kingdom Hearts games and the Final Fantasy spin offs. World ends with you. And business division four, I don't know where business division two is. Honestly, yeah. Um, does Dissidia theater rhythm games? Creative business unit two does Dragon Quest near. Uh. Uh, Bravely series, Octopath, and then Creative Business Unit 3 focuses primarily on MMORPGs. Um, Final Fantasy XIV, which is the same unit as 16. Yes. So Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some talk that the last... Final Fantasy fourteen expansion didn't hit as good as the last ones have. I wonder if that's because they were spread. Maybe. Um, and then Creative Business Unit 4 does the Mana series and a couple other random stuff. Remasters, ports of different franchises, mm. schoolgirl strikers. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating. Nintendo... Act similarly with their game development structure, right? Where they've got like Nintendo Team One and Two, yeah. Three, like, but, but these are called Creative Business Unit Four, which inside of it is Business Division Ten, for example. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Square Enix. Look, it's probably a pretty easy, pretty easy int internally to then yeah. separate things. Um, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, so, at this state of play, we saw about four or five games coming to PlayStation VR 2. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere someone has said that they're trying to launch with about 20 games for the console, or rather for the platform when it comes out. Um, and so we've seen photos of the hardware. Yeah. We've got the tech specs. We've had those for a while. Some people now have we're played seeing it. A few- Some people have tried it at, right. at GDC. Have we heard those impressions? It seemed positive. I don't know. It's mostly PlayStation partners. So, like, why wouldn't they be positive about the thing that their parent company does? But as I haven't heard anything particularly bad about it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to get much more news from Sony for a little while. Um, no. I think what this state of play was, was a... This is to tie... We're not ready to tell you about... We're not ready to give you a first-party showcase. You know, last year they did that in September. I think we're not going to see much from them except maybe an isolated God of War release date um, until maybe around that time again. And then we'll get much more news about PlayStation VR 2. We'll get updates on Spider-Man 2, things we haven't heard of yet, other things that are closer down the pipeline. 
but I don't think we're going to hear much from Sony for a while. So yeah. I think this is the this is the the most zoomed out view of PSVR two we've got, where we could see most of the picture, despite not having had a big reveal event or a uh, cohesive like launch lineup yet. This is this is about as good as we're going to get for a while. I think. I agree. And so we just sort of wanted to talk about not just PSVR two, but also uh, the landscape of the VR industry or sub industry um, and where it's landing and what that looks like at the moment. So, and specifically um, in the consumer space, um, because yeah. there's like a there's a giant push in the enterprise and in the surrounding industries for VR, which is like it's just like we're not in that space. And it's not super relevant to what we're talking about at the moment anyway. We're talking about regular Joes buying a headset to mess around with at home, not for work. Yes. Entertainment VR. Yeah. Um, So our first little headline here is the current state of VR. And so that sort of comes down to like what headsets are dominant in the market right now. Like where has the... If you remember when PSVR 1 came out in 2016, it was it was when everything was coming out. That was when the Rift came out. That was when the Vive came out. It was very exciting, very expensive, very hard to get into. Um, but people, oh, there was so much discussion of like, this is the next thing or like, this is going to, you know, there's so much grand talk like that. And now it's been six years and we can see what happened with VR. And basically it is a decent supplement to a standard gaming diet. <laughs> as soon as I said supplement, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to say it. I know, it. I know. I, gonna s- say it. <laughs> I saw you say that word and I was like, oh, where's he going to go with that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be like core gaming, like title. I didn't, you know, but I ended up saying gaming diet instead. So I don't think I really picked a better horse there. Um, but yeah, it, it sort of sits alongside handily. It It is because it's another big investment. You can't really just jump into it too much. It's quite difficult to get more people to buy into it who aren't a bit more wealthy, a bit more curious, who haven't experienced it before. Like there, there is just a, a natural barrier to entry with this platform and with this technology to get more people to buy in yeah um that said so much has changed in the last six years when psvr1 came out it was what it was like 500 dollars in australia about the same price as the ps4 was uh it was yeah 550 because i bought it on launch i think it was 550 yeah Yeah. and And you needed to own the the camera you needed to own the camera yeah didn't it didn't did it come with the controllers the move controllers? No. Okay, so it was actually a bit more expensive if you wanted the proper VR experience. If you if you wanted the move controllers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's these days it comes with the camera, not with the controllers. Um, but yeah, so PSVR it used the old move tracking system to uh, to judge things. Like the way it was tracked was with the camera sitting in front of you. It judged where the lights on the headset were and where the lights on the move controllers were which was good for like 10 years ago when they were competing with the Nintendo Wii with the Move controllers. but Sorry, I somehow have managed to put a splinter in my hand yeah. from my hoodie. Okay. 
Oh. That's really annoying. Sorry, keep going. You were storing it for later. I guess so. <laughs> that sucks. What an annoying thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, let me know if you want some tweezers, but I'm not in your house. I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I just got it out. I'm good. Well done. That was going to bug you all day, wasn't uh, it? Oh, it was like, it was an immediate, oh, well, this is an annoying thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't avoid this. What an annoyance I've just put in my hand. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was quite quite a rudimentary tracking system, but what that meant was PSVR was the most affordable VR headset by far at the time. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it was. And, and also one of the most comfortable. Yeah, totally. It's it's headband like tracked and tweak and pull setting was good. Yep. The way it handled uh, headphones was good with its little control bar, um, and it only needed a PS4 rather than a two thousand dollar, you know, GTX ten eighty to run. So it was more affordable on the base hardware, more affordable for the headset. You needed the extra controller and camera separately, which is annoying, but still, it's such an easy way to get in on the ground floor of VR for a decent experience. It fell down because, rather, it it aged. It's a system that aged very quickly. Yes, it it, it definitely partly because did. of its competition, um, but partly because of its implementation, which was you know being made for PS4, which wasn't really that well designed for this platform. I mean, like it, it, this feels like a. I can't believe they managed to get VR running on the base PS4. Um, totally. Like I think as a as an invention, I think it was great. But, like, you know, it's at that point, like, you can't make, like, an outboard video card for the VR to run better for the... Like, it's... Because at that point, you've got three power supplies. It's just... Yeah. And there was... Yeah, and they had the... They had the the massive cables that ran from it. It was the thing that stopped me going back to it. Um, The setup. Yeah, it took... It it was like a a 15-minute setup every time I wanted to use it. Um, and oh my god, the fucking the the PSU it came with was so fucking loud <laughs> because the fan always came loose, and so I used to I used to like put a like a piece of plastic in the fan so the fan was up running. Um, but then it would start to overheat. It was like <laughs> it it was genuinely too loud. It was like a yeah. It was so fucking loud. On top of the PlayStation being too loud to begin with, yeah. the PS4. Yeah. And so that was part of why the PSVR aged as it did. And then the tracking was pretty quickly superseded by uh, Oculus Quest or MetaQuest as it's called now. Not only was it entirely standalone, so no wires except when you were charging, but it had inside out tracking for the hand, for the, for the controllers. So it was way better tracking than um, the PSVR, which is relying on four lights on your head and two lights in your hands yeah. from a camera, from a webcam. Um, and it was so cheap. It was, the, it was the cost of the headset and that was it. You got the controllers. You didn't need any other hardware. You could take it with you wherever you went. It had a decent battery. Like I've got my, mine's right over there, which is Jeremy's old Quest 1 because Jeremy's got the Quest 2. Like it's a really great headset. Yeah. Owned by a garbage company, which is a shame. Yes. But the, the the piece of the technology is amazing. Yes. And completely undercut the entire VR market. Yeah. Yeah. Like it it was a it was a like 
no one could compete with it. You couldn't. Um, th- th- you know, Facebook has too much money, um, and they were they were extraordinarily bullish with it. Like honestly, like they they just muscled basically everybody out. You know, like I work. It's like like my job at zero latency. Like I'm dealing with the people that like are in charge of the hardware all the time. And like you know, we've had many conversations about like about Facebook and about the Quest and stuff. And like yeah, the conversation always, it always ends with like, yeah, they just like they just completely destroyed all the competition by just yeah. by being incredibly strong and making the best product. Yeah, for, yeah. for the price. So that came, for the price as well. Yeah, definitely. They're probably. Yeah, they're probably at a loss on it, aren't they? Uh I don't know. Um, yeah, that's hard to say. Yeah, but I, like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make a call either way if they sell it at a, at a loss because they've like it's pretty fucking refined. Yeah. So it's it came out May twenty first, twenty nineteen. Um, introductory cost of four hundred or a bit more if you want a ha- bigger hard drive. Um, and it's such a tour de force for VR. It's so impressive. And then the next year, Valve came out with the Valve Index. Sort of not... It's interesting because it isn't an HTC Vive, you know. It's not Valve working with HTC. This was Valve's own hardware making one of the best premium VR headset experiences um, around. And that's its biggest claim to fame. Um, You know, it's got superior hand tracking because it's got really intense, huge controllers. I think it says individual finger tracking, doesn't it? Um, yes. With how it measures where you're holding on the on the handles. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the way it works with the base stations, the resolution of the headset, it's a really premium experience. And so Valve Index has a place in the world because it, because it is so premium. Goodbye, cat. Um, <laughs> like that is its one differentiator. Whereas the problem with uh, PlayStation VR trying to compete with MetaQuest is that like they were directly competing. I don't know where my cat went. <laughs> yeah, th- th- they were directly competing, which is weird because they were kind of competing in different spaces anyway. And it's... it's. Totally. I think it's just... They were trying to do different things in a market that is just already really quite small. Um, mm. It's, you know, PlayStation were going for the, the consumer market that owned PlayStations. And yeah. I think... Fa- VR gaming. Yeah, and Facebook were going for, like, my first headset. And I think that they were both going for the my first headset thing, but they they just had such different places to come from to go for the same, uh, to go for what ends up being the same market just because the market is so small. There isn't enough Mm -hmm. for both to work on, um, even though they were not explicitly. It's very interesting. It's really, really weird because it's, it's a... I wouldn't call it a niche, but I would call it a subsection of an audience, um, which totally. is people that are already interested in games and the smaller circle inside of it, which is people that are specifically interested in VR gaming. Um, yeah. And then who are able to afford VR gaming. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's sort of that's sort of where things landed this last year. PSVR still has a place. It still sells... Like, whenever there's a Days of Play sale, it's on sale right now um, in the middle of June. And, like, like people still buy it. It is still good for people who are interested in it and families who... You know, there are so many hundred, like, dozens of millions of PS4s in the world. 
like having a PS4 isn't necessarily a hurdle to clear anymore. And there were some really good games. You know, the Astrobot started off as a VR thing. Oh, no, it didn't start off as a VR yep. thing, but, like, it, its first fully-fledged game was a VR thing. Yeah, um, Rescue Mission. Moss. Yeah, yeah, Moss is good. Um, you know, and there was, there was, like, a lot of the, the demo disc PlayStation stuff was pretty neat. Gran Turismo had a thing. Um, Resident Evil. Blood and Truth. Blood and Truth. Blood and Truth. Do you remember there was the like London Heist demo they had for PlayStation VR? Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought that game was really bad. Um, oh, okay. I I I, so- I thought some people liked it. Right. But okay. Um, and then the like Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy, uh, Resident Evil Resident Seven. Evil. Yeah, had mm. it. Had it. You could play the whole thing in VR, which was really cool. So cool. And Hitman. So cool. Hitman so cool VR was, a, was started off as a PlayStation didn't have it. Pardon? Hitman Three started off as a VR thing. Yeah, that's true. Although I think almost everyone said, I'll see that in the year when it's on every other platform, which is what I did. And the only reason I'm talking about it today. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you're right. It, it was weird that 8 didn't have a VR thing on launch, but I think that's just because it was just a... It's, it's, a, it's a niche. Like, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. And, and I suppose PSVR and VR in general was much newer when 7 came out. Yeah, was much more the thing at the time. Yeah, you got to wonder what kind of investment Sony got Capcom to do that for, because like they already have, like by and large, they have the marketing deal for those games. You know that that yeah, they're so like so many of Capcom's announcements are just at state of plays. Like I think every Resident Evil remake at this point has been through a state of play or a Sony press conference. I think three was the only one that. Didn't and I think that was just no. Good. That was that was on a state of play. That was and it state got of play? leaked to hell like a week before. Right. Him. Okay. That's why I didn't like. That, that, that's why I didn't associate it with it because I already knew. Yeah. It got like fully entirely leaked. Yeah. Prior. It wasn't rumors. It was like, oh no, it's just it's happening. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like yeah. Mm. So yeah, and so it's interesting with so. Our second topic there was what's PSVR 1's legacy. And I think we sort of went through that just then as part of that discussion. Um, do you have anything to add to that sort of topic? I think that uh, I'm glad that PlayStation feel happy about it enough that they were acknowledging VR as early as they did into the PS5's life cycle, right? Because I remember yep. when they announced that the PSVR 2 was going to be a thing, um... Me and I think I'm, I'm. Were you as sort of surprised to see it as I was? Um, as VR two actually happening? Yeah. I yeah I was honestly yeah because I very easily could have seen it as like a successful experiment. It's been kind of quiet since Iron Man VR. Even that was like kind of a splash at that point. Like it wasn't <laughs> yeah, a big. It wasn't good. It wasn't a big deal. Um, and so I definitely was. I think more surprised than not that it was happening. But when you look at it, it makes sense. VR1 was a successful platform for them in the end. Um, And I think what it says to me is that they had pretty realistic expectations about what it could do, what its return on the company, for the company could be, um, and where it's it's going in the future. So I... I, Yeah, I... And I I, I do agree with you because I think they... I think they must look at PSVR1 like they should, which is like, hey we threw these things together with whatever we had. You know, we used PS3 era move tracking. We used a helmet that has got lights on it for tracking. And we made the best of what we could with the hardware of the PS4. 
And I think yeah. they can... And the camera they'd already made, a, right? A camera they already made, right? And I think they got to look at this and go like, all right, like, if we fully committed to this, like, what can we do? Um, if, yeah. if we did everything... Like, if we, if we built the PS5 with VR in mind and we developed specific hardware for all of this with the current standards, what can we do? Um, and I think that it is a good show of confidence that they were happy enough with one that they are committing to this so early in the game, even when you still just can't go and pick a PS5 off the shelf. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So I, th- I think that is really interesting, but I think I think the PSVR 1's legacy will be like a, a successful experiment that gives them the confidence to like do something really good. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, it's... I, I appreciated that they, that they went for it. Um, yeah. And, you know, they could make the PS5 with that in mind. You know, it's going to... The PSVR 2 is going to be a one-cable system um, and it's going to be USB-C, so it's going to handle, like, power and... And video. ...display and audio... Uh, and there's a USB-C port on the front of the system. So, like, perfect. That's great. Um, so our third topic here is, does anyone else get involved in the market? Like, what what's going to happen in the future in terms of other big uh, tech companies? A lot of, you know, Meta's focus is kind of all over the place now because they want to do stuff that'll get people into the metaverse regardless of whether they want to be entertained or gaming or you know they want people wearing headsets to do their work you know yeah. and have meetings and they want the so. worst kind of existence <laughs> 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 they they want the worst for humanity yeah exactly so so they're in a weird spot but they're they're firmly they have the uh, the you know the development and the team and the manufacturing behind that, so they're they're firmly in the market. And and wh- um, whatever their Meta Quest Two Pro, which is it's not it's not it's not going to be called that, but that's that's what their their next thing is, which is like a, a a higher end model of the Quest is I think what they're looking at next. Right. Um. Like, I I don't also quite know what that's for, but I think that they. They are generally just making the all-purpose headset. Um, yeah, totally. They don't want to be the headset for gamers. They want to be the headset for everyone to do anything with it VR-related. Yeah. They want to control that space. Yeah, they want what they had with Facebook, which is everybody's already on it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of other companies, uh, you've written here in terms of other gaming companies. We've got Microsoft, Nintendo, and Apple written down. Um, less, Less... Lest we forget, Nintendo Labo VR. <laughs> Don't forget, everyone, that Super Smash Brothers has a VR mode <laughs> where you can spectate uh, with like cardboard goggles. Yeah. Um, oh, you remember Google Cardboard? I do remember Google Cardboard. That was a neat thing. That was great. Ollie made games with that yeah. for like half, not half a year, but like a few months yeah. at AIE when we were learning games. Yeah. Um, they were sick. It's a shame they fell off that. That's like everything Google. <laughs> totally. Yeah, remember Stadia? Lens, Stadia. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Nintendo, I don't know. I don't know if we see them do anything in that space. They dabbled, but their hardware is already so, like, 
underpowered by comparison for what you would need for it. Um, and they're so firm that that they're doing their own thing. You know, they're playing their own song yeah. by doing this portable, dockable. Yeah, and their their know, song is extraordinarily heavily copyrighted. <laughs> What? <laughs> Did you hear the other day that the, all the YouTube channels that were hosting Nintendo music on, on YouTube for people to listen to have all hit, like, they all got 300 uh, copyright strikes, like, over the past, like, oh week? No. Yeah, yeah, they're all going to be fucking digging down. And you know what's worse? No. That there's just no alternative. That, you'd like, totally. like they, they never release any of their music officially, really. Yeah, that's pretty upsetting. Hmm. Hmm. Corporations, huh? Yeah. Um, but what do you think we see from Microsoft in this space, Jeremy? What do you do? You think we see them get into it because they spoke about like partnering with Oculus for a while back at the start of the Xbox One, and then that fell through. Like, what do you think we see them do anything there? I mean, I like I I don't, but I think I think it's important to sort of bring them up in that conversation of you know like do you remember like they've had the um what's it called they've had the Hololens on stage at E3 before. And then yeah. that fell off. Um, and like demos at E3 too. Or there was that like Halo demonstration apparently that people went to. And there, was a, there was a Minecraft one that was on stage. Um, mm-hmm. And they, I, I don't think they get into it. But I think that they, they don't know that they don't want to. <laughs> but they, they also don't know how to at, currently. Um, right. Look, they, they could easily set up a studio partner with one of the big companies that make headsets, HTC, whatever, and just they could just start making games. Mm-hmm. But I think that they want something different than that. You know, do we start seeing... So there's a lot of companies at the moment which are looking at VR streaming. Um, right. So like cloud streaming games directly to a VR headset, which is really difficult, but some are getting it done. It usually requires extraordinarily fast internet and yeah. really, really low latency. Um, yeah. And so it's... But it also takes the burden off of the consumer to have the hardware necessary to drive the experiences. At that point, all you need is a headset that can do good tracking and can transcode video. Yeah. Um, and has, you know, like Wi-Fi 5 or 6 or whatever. Um Maybe they wait for that, you know. Like the, if they if they can start hosting VR games on their X Cloud platform, maybe that's where they go. Well, they've already got that streaming tech there, yeah. But also, they've already got so many studios at the moment. They've already got so many plates spinning. Do they just not even need to to get involved? You know. Well, especially because I don't necessarily think that we've seen a return on their investment in that regard yet for Microsoft for Xbox. They've invested so heavily in so many people. We haven't seen anything from Double Fine yet. Nothing from Ninja Theory. Oh, we saw nothing from the Coalition. Yeah, we saw Psychonauts two. Psychonauts two. Pardon me. Pardon me. Although that was already being developed. Sure. When they were acquired, what I'm saying is we're not. We're not. I I don't think we've seen like a oh this is why Xbox bought this because this is such a victory for Xbox and a victory for the studio and they couldn't have made this without them and you know it's going to sell. We haven't seen that yet. Yeah. And yep. it's been years since some of these acquisitions and they just keep making more and more of them. So I, I wonder if they if they do just focus on that for now. It's like, 
Look, if VR picks up, and at that point, you know, it does become about streaming, maybe they just let everyone else handle the research and development and and the loss and the, the difficulty of figuring all this stuff out, and they jump in when everyone's figured it out. Um, but yeah, I still feel like this, they've, we're, they're still dealing with the ramifications of the Xbox One's um, failure in some regard maybe i think i think like they've just they're currently doing the response still um but i think yes. i think the thing is that they are microsoft are not one to let an industry go untouched by them you know they have right. they have their fingers in many pies intentionally like gaming <laughs> yeah like but everything you know like it clouds yeah stream, no i know yeah. but it's just because they were a computer company and now that yeah yes um, so I can I can see them looking at at an opportunity, investing just a couple of you know just a couple of mil, as you do. Yeah. Um, just maybe even if just to disrupt Sony's efforts. <laughs> maybe you know, but or is it like do they do they go into the, you know, do they buy out a. I mean, you know, it's hard because a lot of the other VR companies are just already owned by other companies. But like, do they do they invest in a tracking company or do they invest in a in a in a Wi-Fi solution company, mm. or do they buy or do they go the complete other direction? Do they buy HTC? Right? Yeah, that would be fascinating if that happened. I'd be surprised. I, I, I don't think they would either because HTC is too big of a company just to buy out for VR. But you know what I mean, though, right? Like, do they? Yeah. Do they buy a company just so they have some stake in the tech? Like when Sony bought Gaikai. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, we want to be into streaming. You're into streaming, you're with us. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And they did nothing with and it for five years. And then there's also, years. there's been... Pardon? Then they did nothing with it for five years and then released a product. <laughs> yeah, that not many people like. Although the people who do like it do like it, but... I suppose you could say that about literally anything. Yep. Um, there is a, a fabled headset that Apple is making as well. We don't really know much about it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's like all of their it's like all of their things. They they take a very very long time to work out the product that they want to make. You know, I don't I don't know how close you won't hear about it till the end. Exactly right. I I don't know how or how closely you follow Apple news, Carrie, but like not much in like in those circles. Um, they have been talking about making an Apple car for over 10 years. Um, Apple car? Yeah. Like they were, they were doing like that because they, they've got like the car OS, they've got their operating system that, that runs in cars that connects to iPhones and stuff. Um, that came out like, I want to say like five years ago now. Mm. Like that was, they were talking about that for a fucking long time, like a really, really long time. Before they right. finally found out how exactly they wanted to go about it, and you know, that's because they're the second biggest company or third biggest company in the world or whatever, right? So they mm-hmm. can afford to do that. Um, from what I from what I understand, the Apple headset, we're not going to see it this year at WWDC, um, which is their big developer conference where they talk about everything. Mm-hmm. But maybe next year is when we're going to start to see it. Um, but again, is it just for games? Is it for metaverse shit? Is it for yeah. enterprise? Is it for what? What is it for? 
I feel like they don't often do specifically just enterprise stuff, but I guess they do when you think about media creation tools. You know, yeah. they sell, you know, $6,000 computers not to consumers. I mean, they sell, like, you know, some consumers well, buy no, it. but, but they like, sell them on the same site. They want people to know that they're there and that they're selling them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that people are like, oh, wow, you've got a Mac Pro? Like, yeah. it's, it's yeah, it's... And it is much less about their their in their their non public facing side. They they want to be seen at prestige. And like their their products are only getting more expensive, and their products are only getting more and more powerful. So they could pull out a really killer headset that no one could afford. Oh, stick an M one chip in a headset. That would be pretty intense. That would that would you know because all you hear about that chip is that it's so powerful, so efficient. And like, like just absolutely runs runs rings around the competition. Like yeah. it, Facebook don't have anything on that. No one else does right now, really. Yeah. Intel maybe, but like but, they're not in the headset space. But then who's going to make games for it if it's only on that one sort of thing, right? Like it would be an Apple sort of putting internal development on it. And then that's a good point. It's, yeah. What do you do then? Because it runs entirely differently. It's a different architecture. It's a good point. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what we see from them, honestly, going forward. It does feel like we've we've hit a bit of a settling point in the industry, at least for now. Yeah. You know, Meta's happy with their Quest being so dominant. PlayStation's coming out with, you know, it's like I was saying about Rogue Legacy two, right? We're getting PSVR two. We're getting the next one. Yeah. Um, and like in terms of stats, I haven't gone over it, but in terms of, I had a list here of like uh, comparisons between the two platforms. We're talking about doubling the resolution per eye from PSVR, PSVR to PSVR 2. Um, both displays were OLED, but this one's going to be HDR. Uh, 90 hertz or 120 hertz refresh rate. Slightly bigger field of view, which is great. It's got a motion sensor, four, four cameras for tracking the headsets and the controllers on the unit itself, and an IR camera for eye tracking which can be really interesting. So it does more efficient rendering only where you're looking. Yeah. Th- um, that is going to be a standard going forward with every headset. Um, that yeah. That is going to be a required feature for basically all headsets going forward. Now that that tech is there and can be fit inside a headset. It's so good that they're on the front foot with that stuff too, because they really weren't with the first generation. They were, mm. they were kit bashing it. Um, uh, it's got it's got headset haptics, uh, I don't, enhanced I, controller haptics. I'm so curious. Yeah, I know. And then even better USB C uh, connection, single cable, which is going to be great. Still a shame like it's not it's, wireless, but that would in- inflate the price dramatically. Dramatically, as it stands, it's still rumored to come out around 750 Australian. It's still rumored to be about the same price of the PS5. Which makes sense when you're like, oh, the original was about the same price as the original console. But they were both much cheaper at launch. Like yep. PS5 being more expensive and then the headset being more expensive on top of that. It is a bit of a... Instead of us talking about just over $1,000 when all the things were new, we're talking about 1500 Yeah. And people can hardly get the thing that you need to run it anyway. Yep. So they've got some hurdles with this one. Um, just to wrap it all up, what, Jeremy? What do you want from consumer VR entertainment going forward? I don't 
actually know. Yeah. Um, As someone who has had the VR, the PSVR from day one, you've got the Quest, you got the Quest 2, you work in VR. Yeah. Like... Yeah, part of my job is to put on a headset and set up head, uh, and set them up and, you know, I've done QA for ZL games and all that stuff, right? Um, you run them. Yeah, yeah, and I used to, you know, run the sessions. I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, I think... I think I want more... Um, I want more direction. I think I want people to make... In the games or the hardware? In in the product. I want I want I want things that are like, hey, this is the headset that people who play games are gonna love and we're gonna support it, sort of thing, right? Okay. Like the the reason I love the quest is because it is a cheaper relatively cheaper entry yep. to do PC VR mm-hmm. via the um the remote streaming desktop program, which is just magic. Yeah. That pro- that program shouldn't exist in the way it does, and yet it does. Um, yep. uh, I was recommending someone use it just today. Yeah, it's it's like there is no better thing, right? Um, like, I, I, th- I think in, there needs to be a really direct push to be like, hey, this is the one that you play the games on. And over the next six years... There will be a ton of really, really good games that are like, hey, guess what? You wouldn't be able to get something this good not in VR, sort of thing, right? The killer app, you know, the, yeah. everyone's favorite phrase, which I fucking hate that phrase. Um, really, I didn't know yeah, that about you. I, I think I think that's really, uh, um, I think it's a really reductive phrase uh, because I think it needs to be like you need more than one. Um, right, and I think it. I, I don't. I just anytime anyone says like, "What's what's the killer app?" I'm like, "Shut up, shut up." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was thinking about that the other day, right? So I was looking at my partner because uh, they haven't tried VR really at all. Um, mm. And as someone who has for a long time, I've made games in VR. I work in VR. I you know, was thinking like, what can I show my partner that will, that they will re- have like a really fun time in? And I don't actually know the answer to that. And I thought about it for a really long time and I couldn't actually think of anything. And that's not really like, I could think of some things, but I couldn't think of anything that they could just jump into and then jump out of that didn't feel like a, like didn't feel like a, like a really heavy video game thing. Uh, I've, I've got it. I had an immediate answer. Mm-hmm. Job simulator. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I suppose that's probably... Because that one is... You've got the different levels and it's like, oh, when I'm sick of the quickie mart, I'll go to the the, the office. Like, I, I suppose that... like I didn't actually think of Job job Simulator. Because um, that, that was one of my first experiences. Sure. And Sam's as well. So right. that, that's where I'm coming from. Like I, I was thinking about my VR experiences and it was like the Playroom VR stuff um, is stellar. Uh, like, okay. like that is that is one of the best introductions to VR that I've ever done. Um, Unfortunately, it's on PSVR. Exactly right. I was thinking about Super Hot. It's a bit video gamey. It's a bit like it's, it's this is already a game. And I yeah. was like, you know, if you're into it, it's amazing. But exactly, I was thinking the same thing about Half Life. Um, yeah, thinking the same thing about Gorn, all that stuff. Right, like it's all they're all video games that are in VR. Mm-hmm. 
and I wanted like a like a VR game. And right. and I don't and I I don't mean to sound reductive towards those games because they are all definitely VR games, but they are also they also could not be. Um, I wanted like a like a, like an elating experience. Mm. Um, you wanted the journey of VR. Yes. Or flower. Yes, I do. I want. Yes, Kerry. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> I want journey in VR. The oh. journey, the journey equivalent in VR. Yes. But also, maybe just Journey. I'd, I'd play Journey in VR. That game company should make a VR game. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I just I needed a directed push towards the gaming space in what I want for consumer grade VR. Um, all this nonsense about go to concerts in VR, all this nonsense about go to meetings, yeah. none of that stuff. Like, being in VR is tiring. Yes. And it's not it's that... Nauseating. In, it can be nauseating. That stuff isn't it. No, you're right. What do and you, that's, that's what everyone wants it to be. That's the metaverse that these greedy companies see as giving them the most profit right now. But you're right. That's it's it's no interest to me, and it's not entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And you hear all these stories about um, these virtual concerts and how garbage they are. You know, they've just stuck a camera in the front row seat, and like you can't see anything, and the audio quality is crap. And yeah. Give me like give me Guitar Hero in VR. Whoa. Oh. That would be a lot. That would be so much. What do you want I, from I, consumer grade VR, Kerry? Mm, what do I want? I think I like your idea of having like a developer or someone have a more faithful view of what they want to do going forward. Um, uh, what do I really want? I want a few more. And to be fair, I haven't done enough with my headset to really talk to this, but I want more of those. I want an experience that I get really engaged with and feels cohesive and not so much as a tech demo. Hitman is really impressive because it's just the full game. Um, Super Hot VR I've really loved because it's, again, it's the it's the translation of that original game into, into VR where it works amazingly and you're aiming the guns and you're throwing the, the shurikens and the, the weapons and the ashtrays, like... That translates really well. Yeah. Um, I was most heartened when I was watching this state of play. I was actually really excited by the Call of the Mountain Horizon trailer because all we'd seen of it was like 30 seconds prior and it just looked like you're on a boat and it's like a safari game, right? The, the tall neck walks over you, the sawtooth walks by, you know, maybe something attacks you and you hide from it and then the thing's over. That's what I expected they were making. But the gameplay they showed from this game over the on the on the what was it the weekend earlier this week, um, what was it? It was you know like arena fighting with with the sawtooths actually fighting um, thunder jaws and then like walking right over you, swimming with the the crocodile monsters going past, climbing arrow like bow bow and arrow shooting like it's like you're doing all the horizon stuff in there. What? Don't you like about this? Why are you grimacing? You know when you go to a restaurant, yeah, and the menu is like seven pages long, 
Yeah. And you look at it and it's like, if you make all this stuff, none of it's going to be amazing. See, what I think it's going to be is I think it's going to be short. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's going to be like 20 minutes of climbing, 30 minutes of combat, 10 minutes of walking around. Yeah. And see, for me, I think that's too long because I think it's going to be 15 minutes of climbing that isn't very good, <laughs> 10 minutes of shooting that isn't very good, 10 minutes of swimming that also isn't very... Like, like I think... I think like I think it looks quite good because Horizon looks great, but I think that um, I don't have a whole lot of immediate faith. Maybe not faith. I don't have optimism mm. uh, <laughs> that it's that it's a it's a solid experience all the way through. I think it might be one yeah. of those things where like you show someone two cool parts of it. And sure. then you'll be like, oh, just get through this bit really quick or you skip a chapter and go to another cool yeah. bit and then you never do the climb. I don't think climbing in VR is very interesting. I mean, maybe. I guess what, what I like so much about the idea of that, though, is less that I like each of those component parts and more that there are different component parts that make up the whole of the experience. You know? Sure. Um, I th- like when, like when the, the VR came out, some of the best things you could do was like Space Pirate Trainer, right? It's just a shooting gallery. That's all that game is. You shoot robots and dodge bullets and you have a, you have a few different weapons. Yeah. And that's it. And that's all there was to it. And so I want more of those ones that maybe engage me with a bit of story and have me doing some combat and have me doing maybe not stealth because it's a bit clunky, but maybe something else that's fun. You know, like driving. I don't know. Like... Yeah. I want those cohesive experiences, which is funny because you're talking about, you know, those games that you thought of to introduce to your partner and none of them really jumped out at you because they're all kind of intense. And I don't know, those are kind of the ones that I want to, that I'm gravitating towards in my head. Oh, look, I still want the intense, you know, if you, and this is coming from me, if they announced Returnal VR, like, (laughs) you know, I'd be into it. Vomit. That would be fucking awesome. Imagine how, how disgusting that would be. I would <laughs> yes, love it. Would it. Be I want, I want Grand Tourism 7 in VR. I yep. want, yeah, like I said, Returnal. Like there's Resident Evil 8's coming in VR. Great. That sounds really fun. And 4, apparently. They said they're working on something for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if that'll be the full game, but I also don't know if yeah. that game's going to be in first person or not. Um, the give me you know there's that rumored fucking Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 remake new one of that is getting a VR mode um right okay yeah I don't, I don't know if that's happening or not it was just a rumor that I saw floating around um but what what about that like, like I, 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 I would still be down for those more game experiences but I think what I want is I want the one that anyone can do while it's still really good and intense. Give mm. me, give me Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart VR. Mm. All right, give me a okay. thing that I can that I can love wholeheartedly, and yeah. still show people who barely play VR. Right. Okay. Right. I see. Yeah. It it it, it needs to be for like like. I've I've done it a few times. Showing my mum VR is so fun every time. 
Um, yeah. And I want more things that are that are that I can, I'm able to do that with. And she doesn't immediately freak the fuck out. Right, <laughs> Jeremy. It sounds like you. What you want is a killer app, really, for the platform. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> I just want journey. I had that. I had that thought unironically in my head. I'm like, oh, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm intrigued by this new headset. Are you going to buy it? I don't know, Jeremy. I think it's too much money for me to justify just getting it. You know what I mean? But I, I, I think I want to go f- go along with the ride with this one. I'm, I'm interested in what Sony has to offer us with this headset. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm interested. They want more first party development for it going forward, right? Not just Horizon: Call of the Wild, and that's why they, that's why they acquired Fire Sprite, who is making Call of the Wild alongside Gorilla. And it's why they've got a few more of those studios there to do that. Give like, a give me give me a Kojima VR thing. Ooh, mate. Not Death Stranding, too oily. Too many hands. Too too creepy. Yeah. I don't I don't want hand head haptics. He could do something fun in VR. He could. He could. He'd probably make you stare at a woman's butt though. He would. Like <laughs> Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that in the right context, but What's the I don't right trust context? him to ever do that. It's got to be the right context. <laughs> I think... You know I'm right. I, I think he... I don't think he wants to make a VR thing. <laughs> I agree. It's funny because, like, Kojima's thing is, like, he's so enamored with cinema, right? Yeah. But also he's a game developer and he's bringing, like, cinematic stylings and storytelling to gaming and to interactive media but that almost because he's been doing that for what for how long he's been doing it now 20 or 30 years as this auteur it's almost like he's old school in that regard like if he's not picking up the the new platform that's fascinating to do that like he's not excited by the new stuff he just wants to do his thing yeah he's he's made he's found his genre basically and it's mm. a lot. It's well, he created his genre, but it's it's very directed. It's all completely directed. And VR, it is hard to do directed in VR. Yeah, it's like it's like Half Life Two and that, or just Half Life, where you know there were no cutscenes. It's just people walking around while things are happening. Yeah. And you know the people in VR try to hold the security guards' hands. You know. So, in a in a in an impossible world. Where yeah. this comes out just before Christmas uh-huh. at seven hundred fifty Australian dollars, real Australian dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you buy it? Do you consider? My- do you consider? I, cons- buying I consider it, it. strongly. C- strong consideration. I don't think I could justify it. I don't think I could pull the trigger, especially because I've got a really competent little thing over my shoulder here. This this Quest One, and. A, a library of five years worth of games that I haven't touched. You know, how many times have we said Vader Immortal on this show in the last month? Like, I need to play Vader Immortal. I need to play Moss. I need to play... Uh, I want to play... Um, what is it? Sword? No, it's Blade and Sorcery, I think. It's like a medieval physics-based combat game that you can mod to hell, but also, like, the original is really cool. Like, there's so many 
things that I haven't experienced on this platform yet already. It's hard for me to justify spending so much on a platform that I don't know how much I'm going to use. I don't know where I'm going to use it. I don't know how much it's going to be supported. And it's 750 bucks. <laughs> it's fair enough. How about you? Like, I know you, you almost always just want the things, but you've got the VR one, you've got the Quest 2. What do you think? I think I do want it. Yeah. And and I think it, it, it's, it falls under the same category of why I usually buy tech when it first comes out is because I don't want to, like, like I'm happy to buy the thing and then wait for it to become worth the money. Um, you know, like when, uh, when I bought the PSVR one, I had to wait a while before that was like, before I was getting some really good games for it. Like the Final Fantasy 15 uh, fishing experience. Yeah, the really good and Final the, Fantasy 15 fishing experience. And the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming <laughs> VR experience. That was so fucking terrible, dude. That was, <laughs> that was like one of the worst games I've ever fucking played. That was so bad. Um, uh, yeah, I think... Um, I'm, I'm happy to wait. And then when the thing comes out, I can just grab the game. I don't have to then... Think about maybe then getting the hardware. Is it worth it now? Yeah. Like when I bought a Quest 1, I don't think I, I, don't think I actually owned any VR games at that point on PC. Right. I think I might've had one that was just like, was like the Tomb Raider VR thing that came out. Like I had that sitting in the Steam library. Um, but I didn't actually own any at, the, at that point. But I knew that like there was a bunch already out there. Mm-hmm. So I bought the headset, set it up, dicked around with a bunch of demos, put it down, waited for some game sales, picked up a bunch of games and then started to properly use it. Um, I'm happy to do that with this as well, I think. Okay. And you well, know, Let me ask you this. Were you disappointed or looking back, should you have waited on PSVR 1? I don't know. Because then I don't know if I ever would have bought it. Right. Um, and I'm glad that I did buy it because then I, I, I understand, because I, I enjoy the tech as like a, as a, as an enthusiast. Um, yeah, and it's I, part of the hobby. Yeah. And, and I enjoy dicking around with something and watching the evolution of that product so I can have sort of like a, a, a better understanding of it as a, as a whole. Um, I think the issue was a lot of those games were quite expensive when they were coming out and they, they didn't always feel like they were worth the price. Um, for example, the Space Channel 5 VR game, uh, that was an $85 game that was about an hour and a half. The fuck? Yeah. That, that one stung. That one <gasps> fucking stung. 85 bucks? $85. Holy hell. That one fucking hurt. <laughs> that was that was one of the few times I I actually felt like I was ripped off, um, right? Because that's uh, that's like a forty dollar game at most. Yeah, yep. And to 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 do me in with it being Space Channel Five is what really fucking hurt. There's been a new Space Channel Five game since the fucking Dreamcast. 
It wasn't new, was it? It was it was more of a port or something, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was new, but it, like it was shorter than the Space Channel Five games. Um, like like it was like it was all it, it wasn't the Dreamcast game um, because it was dancing moves. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah it wasn't. It, it wasn't like tapping the buttons. It was like. Da, 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 da. Um. That one fucking hurt though. Because <laughs> my housemate and I, my, uh, who, uh, like my old housemate rather, because like, we, we had played through Space Channel 5, 1 and 2 and we're like, fuck yeah, there's like a VR game coming. That's, that's dope. That's so dumb. And I remember we looked at the PlayStation Store when it came out and we were both like, oh my God, that's so much funny. <laughs> and, VR experiences are never that much. Right? And so he got up and then I just like quietly bought it. <laughs> And he's like, oh my God. And he felt so bad. He was like, do you want me to pay for half of it? And I'm like, no, it's my, it's my sin. It's my penance. It's my decision. Yeah. Oh my God. If you viewer want to hear more about the time when that happened, we recorded the podcast around that time. We did. I remember because I saw the thumbnail. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't tell you what it was called though. I think that's when Jeremy started uh, taking liberties with the uh, the title name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you search for Space Channel Five, it'll pop up. Wait, yeah, uh-huh. it'll be around uh, Fortnite Big Chungus. No, nah, it, was, it was well before then. Um, what? It was it was when I moved into that place. Oh, okay. Pardon me. Um, yeah, I I will probably get this thing, this PSVR two. Oh, well, I'm sorry in advance if it doesn't go well. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know. Just kind of like, you know. I, en- I, just, I enjoy buying these things. I'm not like, yeah, I'm, not, I just, I'm not reluctantly doing this. No, that's true. I guess you it, it just opens you up for disappointment, I guess is what I'm saying. I suppose. <laughs> And that's that's what I'm trying to avoid, right? Like, I don't just want to throw the money down and then not use it because I'm going to just be looking at it and be like, oh, "What the fuck, Kerry? Why'd you do that?" Yeah, I don't do that with with many things that I that I buy. Hmm. Very rarely have I regretted buying a gaming peripheral. Interesting. I think. What yeah. about that uh, that Jedi, the Lenovo Jedi experiences, seeing that you've got secondhand off a friend. <laughs> Yeah, I got that for free. Oh, free. Yeah. Okay, I can see why you wouldn't regret buying it. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want he it. Didn't buy it. Uh, minimap cast number thirty-two. Cloud go. is hot. Space Channel Five is funky. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is enough. I think it's a pretty good headline. In this episode, June Carey and Jeremy debate if Cloud is hot (brackets he is), if Pyramid Head is sexy (brackets June thinks so). And our heated gaming moments, all caps. <laughs> I wrote that. Uh, you sure did, buddy. <laughs> and then there's one comment. It says, hi, very nice website. Cheers. Yeah, so that is a, that is a bot comment that uh, at the end of that comment, it had a hyperlink. Oh. Uh, so I just deleted the hyperlink and approved the comment. 
Yeah. <laughs> Get that positive engagement, baby. Yep. Uh, I, I hope we find out more. And I'm very interested to hear about impressions of what people think about the headset going forward. Yeah, me too. Um, but until then, this is kind of the best we got. That's as far as we're going to go. Uh, both with our you know, knowledge of what VR is going to be and this episode. We're going to call it here. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, if you want to find more episodes like this, like I said at the start of the show, you can go to any podcast service of your choice. You can also go to minimap.com.au. Uh, yeah, that's the website. Uh, we can find our, you can find our other podcasts there, like The Pecking Order and Minidisc. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash minimapau. Uh, you can go there to support us monetarily. You can also find us on Twitter and Twitch and TikTok and Instagram, all at minimapau. Uh, all for our things there. Uh, we're on Twitter individually. Uh, I'm there at KJ Palmer underscore 24. Uh, Jeremy, where are you uh, on Twitter? At Obi Wan Jez. Not in real life. That's called doxing yourself. And <laughs> all of our viewers would invade your house and your privacy. Oh, yeah. All about the, of our viewers. See about the time I accidentally doxed myself? No. I, uh, when I was. Hang on, let me get a pen and paper. <laughs> when I was very young, this tweet is gone now. When I was very young, I, I went to like a party. Uh, and it was like a go-kart party for one of my friend's birthdays and they gave you like a little like f- fake go-kart license sort of thing like with your name and your address on it and I just like took oh. a photo of it and tweeted it yep. like my whole nice. ass address <laughs> <laughs> and I found it years later I'm like oh my god what and the so hell I, so I like, deleted that tweet <laughs> I was like, that's good I was like, what, am I, what was I thinking like I'm usually usually smarter than that <laughs> how old were you uh 15, 14. Wow, really? Yeah. I should have... That's... Like, I don't, like I've, I'm usually so much smarter than that. I'm actually pretty good with that sort of stuff. Mm. And that was just like... I, I mustn't have realized that my address was on it. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm glad you took it down. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, that's about it from us today, everyone. Uh, like I said before, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Maybe at the end of E3. There's no E3. (laughs) Fake E3.